Welcome to After the Last Dance. I am Tate Frazier, and as always, I am joined by BJ Armstrong, a.k.a. The Kid, and today we are wrapping up The Last Dance, and about a month ago, we had the director, Jason Aaron, to tell us, you know, everything we wanted to see in this documentary. We made it to the finish line. He is joining us today. Jason, how does it feel? You made it. You're done. It is completed. All 10 parts. It's out there. It, it's uh, it's liberating because there's nothing more that I can do at this point. The um, the train has left the station. So, um, you know, it's a lot of mixed emotions. It, it, it's almost like a when you graduate high school or college and you, you say for years, oh man, I can't wait to get out of here and, and get on to something new and, and see what else life has in store. And then when that moment hits and you realize you're not going to see the same faces all the time, you're not going to have the same routine that you did for the last few years. Um, it's weird. I'm definitely relieved and I'm definitely extremely thankful that, that it's been received the way it's been received. Um, but also it's bittersweet because this is a, a huge chapter of my life uh, and, and our team's life that is, that is done now. So, um, just kind of balancing those things. Well, well I, I just really got a congratulations. I mean, it was, it was fabulous. I remember when you said it was 10 episodes, I thought, wow, that's a lot of content. That's a lot of, that's a lot to go through. And how is that going to work? Mm. And then afterwards I was like, we want more, we want more. How is it going to be more? Is there behind <laughs> the scenes? It's like, how, like, I was just so excited to see how you guys were going to end this and how you're going to tie it all together. You know, is there, is there more to come or is this really the last dance? I think this is it, man. Um, <laughs> we, we, you know, if, if there was more to come, it would have come earlier in the, in the series because we would have done longer episodes. So chronologically, there's nothing to tell beyond 1998. Of course, Michael's life went on, your life went on, Scotty's life went on, Phil's life certainly went on, Steve Kerr, I mean, these guys went on to win rings and do fantastic things outside of Chicago. So if we wanted to go down that road, we could, but we didn't conduct the interviews in that way. We, we knew that we weren't telling those stories. So there's no more content beyond the chronology of the story that we told. Um, there's a lot more content that we had to leave on the floor in earlier episodes because we had to hit 50 minutes every single episode. And some of those episodes deserve to be anywhere from 60 to 75 minutes with the amount of content that we had. So, um, there won't be an 11, I, I, I can tell you that. <laughs> well, I, I, well, real quick, I, I wanted to ask this question. You know, there were some people who are, are no longer with us. Mm -hmm. And, but I, as I was watching these episodes, there were in particular, and I, and I mentioned this to Tate, Coach Smith. Mm -hmm. For some reason, I kept hearing him and his influence and seeing his influence did you ever get into detail with the respect that Coach Smith or Michael had for Coach Smith? Because when you saw those two together, there was something different. There was, with all those North Carolina players, but in particular with Michael, and I felt I heard his voice many times coming through as you guys were doing your storytelling. And, and I don't know if that was just something that I had seen or picked up on. But was that something, did you catch that vibe as well? Well, I, I think that he was so important to, to Michael's formative years that he kind of imbues Michael's behavior, everything that he does. And, and you had more, I had no exposure to Coach Smith ever. I only know the stories, but, but any exposure that you had, I remember you saying like that Michael was at attention when he heard that he was in the vicinity, you know? Um, so you had exposure to that firsthand. 
Um, so you may be seeing some of that come across when in, in Michael's polish and his respect when he talks about certain issues, his coachability. I mean, the to be someone who's that great and have coachability be one of your number one traits. I can't imagine that that's that common in, in any sport, in any professional sport, especially because when you get to that level, I think the natural tendency would be to say, like, I know who you're telling me how to do this. Mm-hmm. But Michael had such respect for his coaches going back to even high school, but but especially Coach Smith, who was really a second father to him. Um, I think that he just – that's why there's only a few guys who resonated with him like that on the planet, on or off the court. James Jordan was one, Coach Smith was one, right. and Phil Jackson was one, which is why he was so adamant. I think it's it's hard for people today to understand, like, well, what, if you're if you're at your peak, like he said, he's at his peak in '98. If you're at your peak, does it really make a difference? Like, can you play for another coach? Just keep on playing basketball. That's how. That's 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 the sacredness that he held that coach-player bond in, and and he wasn't going to rebuild certainly with Tim Floyd, and he wasn't going to go anywhere where Phil wasn't going to coach him. I think I told you guys that that there's one of the clips that hit the floor was him telling Peter Vesey that if Dean Smith came to coach the Bulls, he would play for the Bulls. And he said it in a heartbeat. Mm-hmm. But that's the only guy that he would have played for professionally. And Dean Smith is not going to leave Chapel Hill to come to Chicago and, and coach pros. It, it just it would look it would look it would be too bizarre. But um, yeah, I, I think that you're seeing Coach Smith's influence all throughout this because Michael he influenced Michael and Michael influences everybody else that he's around. And you mentioned Jason, you know, Jordan talking about that Dean Smith moment. There was a Stuart Scott clip that they put up from Sports Center where he's interviewing, you know, Jordan mm-hmm. in 1998 and he asked him the question. And Jordan's basically like, look, you know, it, it, it's Phil's last dance. And the only person I could think of would be Dean Smith. And he kind of laughs it off. But, you know, Stu Scott kind of has a little twinkle in his eye there because he's probably like, Maybe yeah. Coach Smith would come back because he had just retired from North Carolina. And that was yeah. the one hope that we had had for Jordan. And we've seen today the fallout in the media. You know, there's, there's stories like, what was 1999 like? Could Michael have gone to New York? All, all these different tangential storylines are coming out. And obviously you had this five-week process to take these 50-minute installments of who Michael Jordan was. Is there anything that, that you have on the cutting room floor, like in your own personal vault, that you're like – that was a moment I wish that everyone else could have seen. Was it BJ Armstrong being Marcus Jordan's favorite player? Was it something like that? Or, you know, like, like what, 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 what was it that you wanted to put out there? We did have that. We, Marcus did tell us about that, how he had the BJ Jersey and that was his favorite guy. Um, there's so much stuff, man. And it's not just, it's not just Michael. Cause I, I think people lose sight. Um, and, and sometimes it wasn't that clear to me. You know, there's so mm-hmm. many voices in, in, in the room uh, from an executive level on this thing mm-hmm. telling me, like, behind the scenes, this is what this thing is really about. And, you know, it was always this this walking this tightrope of, the, is this a Michael Jordan documentary or is mm-hmm. this a Chicago Bulls 98 documentary? Is it a Chicago Bulls dynasty documentary? Um, but, you know, we, we were adamant that if we're going to fill up 10 hours, we're going to tell a lot of stories about a lot of people. I always said that it was the Bulls dynasty through the lens of that 97, 98 season. And if you're telling a story about the Bulls dynasty, it's going to star Michael Jordan. Mm-hmm. Um, but there were certainly personalities. There's, you know, Ron Harper's story is incredible. I wish we could have done more on that. Um, we've gotten a lot of heat from the Australian fans because we didn't have Luke Longley in this thing. And, and that, uh, that would have involved. First of all, I think that Luke is reluctant to talk anyway. Um, right. That had been passed on to me by a number of people. And then to fly our crew all the way to Australia for a guy who may or may not deliver. There, there's certain, there's certain sacrifices and, and, and certain, certain 
um, just calculus that, that is involved in making these things. Because mm-hmm. it, it's not an infinite amount. Like people said, like, well, why don't you show Michael saying that thing about Gary Payton? And Gary Payton could have, well, we can't just be flying camera crews all over the place <laughs> and throwing iPads around the room and showing people what other people are saying. And at a certain point, you have to say, okay, this is the plan and we're going with it. Mm-hmm. So there's always going to be, I always say it's, it's, um, it's never done. It's just due on a certain day. And it was due on the on you know we turned in this episode ten on Thursday, but we we couldn't shoot beyond March tenth. Um, we had so much stuff about you know Dennis uh, getting you know guns stuck in his mouth when he was when he was in Oklahoma because he was dating a white woman and mm-hmm. and all kinds of crazy stories that he was going through when he when he right. was in his college years. We had uh, Michael's high school years, his rise from sophomore year to senior year. I think you could do an entire documentary just on the summer when he went to the UNC camp and the five-star camp and a couple of other camps. And this Mm -hmm. kid, Mike from Wilmington, North Carolina, all of a sudden became Michael Jordan in that summer. Absolutely. Um, even though he says he became Michael, Michael, when he hit the shot, but but (laughs) that's when he put himself on the map. Um, and BJ knows this, like the BJ story, we, we could have done stories about all of these guys and how they got to where they are. The, the, the overarching theme of this to me, um, that what all these guys had in common is that they were all underdogs. They were all unlikely candidates to be what they were. Michael Jordan being cut from his varsity team, his sophomore year. Leroy Smith. Yep. Yeah. It's not looking too good for him to be the greatest basketball player of all time at that point when he's the starting guard on the JV team. Uh, Dennis Rodman didn't pick up a basketball until after high school. So he walked his high school graduation. Maybe he didn't show up that day, but he did not, he had not played basketball ever in his life. Scotty Pippen got no looks from anyone in college and started out as, as an equipment manager for a few weeks before he was playing his way onto the team in pickup games. Steve Kerr, as he said last night, got no attention from girls or scouts in college. <laughs> um, Phil Jackson got laughed out of every room that he tried to, to go into with his Hawaiian shirt and his Panama hat and, mm-hmm. and, and, his, you know, crazy kind of counterculture vibe and, and Jerry Krause, uh, you credit Jerry with, with recognizing that there was a seed of, of brilliance there. So none of these guys, um, if, if you had the, in the moment, you wouldn't have predicted that any of these guys were going to do what they did, but they all managed to overcome all those obstacles and then come together and do something that I don't think will ever be accomplished in the history of the NBA uh, from here on out. I don't think any team, especially with today's game, is ever going to win uh, six out of eight, a three peat. I, I would put good money that there won't be a three peat in my lifetime, but six mm-hmm. out of eight, I don't think you're ever going to see that. You know, you know, Jason, one of the things, uh, and you spend a lot of time with Michael is that he really has a sense of humor. And I know <laughs> there was a lot of concern of, he didn't know how that was going to come off because of, you know, his competitive spirit. And, but is there any stories or anything that you saw during the interview process because Michael can be really funny. <laughs> he can be really funny. He has this really odd sense of humor. Did you see any of that or any stories that you could share as you're filming this? He's, um, it's more just kind of dry and subtle. Like, and, and he also <laughs> knows who he is. So he knows when he's making a joke that he's making the joke as Michael Jordan. Mm-hmm. So I asked him like, when, when, like, what's the heaviest he's been? weight wise, like, like what kind of shape does he stay in? How does he stay in shape? And he said that he said, I can sweat like five, 10 pounds out on a golf course. If I just golf uh, for, for a few days in a row and eat right, the weight just falls off me. And I said, I was sitting outside today, finalizing these questions. It's so hot here. I probably sweat out like three or four pounds. He's like, yeah, that's cause you're nervous. <laughs> <laughs> 
I was like, what are you talking about? I'm not, yeah, yes. Yeah. That's why. Like, <laughs> it wasn't the humidity. It was, it was, it was, he knows. So he knows that, but he's not walking in. Like he, he, it, it, it's a very uh, tough dance to do to actually like give people the experience of meeting you without seeming like you walk in, like you're, you're like King shit, you know, like, like, right. but he, he knows who he is and he knows the experience <laughs> that people have when they see him for the first time. So, um, but yeah, he's he's just he he's he's constantly kind of in command of the vibe of the. Oh, no, he's. He so wants to, I can, I can only share this with you though. I can only <laughs> share this. These guys know that. So, after episode eight, we're filming, or we're taping our show, and and immediately we so we try to do it. Cause, you know, we want to catch our thoughts after we're having like a recap. And I can't share here what he texts me. But Michael texts me immediately following <laughs> the episode after episode eight. And all I'm just gonna say the one thing he put at the end of it, LOL. And it was so funny. I had to stop taping <laughs> what he taped. And Jason, <laughs> I mean, his timing, because he knows exactly what he's doing. And yeah. it was so funny. About and I had you? to like about me. <laughs> about me. <laughs> Oh, I'm curious, man. Uh, no. you know, I, I'll, I'll see you in episode it. 11. And, sure. <laughs> <laughs> and we had the funny, I mean, I just couldn't stop laughing. And But that's just him. He has this funny, funny side to him. And uh, it was right at me immediately following, you know, as soon as uh, after episode eight. And then I get this text from him. And yeah. it was so funny with him. But, you know, he's. That's his humor that, you know, him, I, I always got. And like, he's just, but like you said, he knows how to go in and out and he kind of does it in these different characters. Quick break to get a word from our sponsor, DraftKings. The Last Dance has reminded us just how much we love the game. And before you know it, the lottery and draft will be here. Even though there hasn't been much action on the hardwood, DraftKings Sportsbook keeps the action coming. DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app, is now offering a special one-time sign-up bonus up to $1,000. You heard it right, $1,000. If sports betting isn't your thing, don't worry. DraftKings has you covered. They are hosting a number of free-to-play contests every day, yes, including today with thousands of dollars in prizes up for grabs. American-made DraftKings Sportsbook is a safe and secure betting app. Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code LASTDANCE when you sign up. DraftKings has a sign-up bonus up to $1,000. I'm not lying, $1,000. Don't forget, enter code LASTDANCE and get your sign-up bonus up to $1,000 today only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. Bonus comprised of a first deposit bonus and a first bet match, each up to $500. Deposit bonus requires 25 times play through. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. In Indiana, call 1-800-9-WITH-IT. Back to After the Last Dance with director Jason Hare. And, what do you uh, think it was, it was about, about you that that made you guys that close? Cause clearly um, when he was away from the gate, there, there weren't many guys that he was keeping in touch with, but why was he closer with you than, than some other guys? Um, I, I mean, I, I didn't know, you know, I w it wasn't like trying to be close. It was, um, I was just very aware of like, you know, for me, you know, everyone would talk to this player, right? Everyone would talk to BJ, this player, but mm -hmm. no one would ever talk to BJ, the person. Mm -hmm. So even now, 
they're talking about BJ, you know, the player. But mm-hmm. BJ, the person, is 52. I got to go home. I got to wash dishes. I got to take the garbage <laughs> out. I got to do all the things. But this player, I was just aware of it. And for him, there was this Air Jordan character. And I just always looked at it as this character. It was like you saw this character coming. And you saw after we won the first championship. And then after we, he came back from from uh, Barcelona, you just saw this character. All of a sudden, now it was Air Jordan. It was just Jordan. And I just made a decision that I really didn't care because no one ever talked to BJ. No mm-hmm. one ever talked to BJ. Everyone just talked to the kid, Chicago Bulls, and all of a sudden now I was a champion. But I knew I was never any of those things. So I would only talk to Michael. <laughs> And I just made a decision. I was only going to talk to Michael. I didn't care about the, the the shoes. I didn't care. I didn't ever ask him for an autograph. I was just like, <laughs> like to this day, I just check in. How are you doing? Like, how are you doing? I never talked to Eric Jordan. I like Eric Jordan. I find very funny. And he knows <laughs> I'm always making fun of Eric Jordan, <laughs> you know, but because he's always, Michael has this sense of like, he's always had this sense of himself. And he goes in and out of these characters, right? You know, Reggie Miller, you know, this 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 black cat was a character. There was this Michael. There was Mike. There was MJ to all of the who know. There's M, everybody who really knows mm. him, M. And then, you know, I would only talk to Michael because if the person doesn't develop, then the player could never be the player. And there was no way you could ascend to that level of excellence without developing the people. So the mm-hmm. people like Gus mm-hmm. and those people he kept around him always kept him grounded. Mm-hmm. And, and and the one thing that, you know, all of us who knew him, yeah, he was tough. He he could he could dish it out. But the one thing, Jason, that I always respected about him more than anything is that he could take it. Mm-hmm. He could take it. And, you know, I mean, there were some games in there where he got his, you know, he got his ass kicked and he fell down. But every single time he was always going to get back up. And I know we highlighted all of the championships, but I was just amazed at the punishment that this man could take, the pain that he could withstand. Just being a star, like he couldn't do the things that I could do. I could go to the movies. I could walk around. I could go downstairs and have breakfast. He couldn't do that anymore. But he had the, the mental capacity to do that. So I would only talk to Michael and, and I still, to this day, like when I see him, he's always with a lot of people. Right. Mm -hmm. And then I just wait till all those people leave. And then I'll be like, (laughs) Hey, how you, (laughs) like, how you doing? I've never, I've never tried to, you know, I've never tried to interfere with Eric Jordan. Eric Jordan is like, I think he knows without knowing that I'm always poking fun at at Eric Jordan, Mm -hmm. but Michael is just this guy that he just he was just he always wanted to be one of the guys mm-hmm. and he always remained one of the guys when you know when we were all together and I just I always respected that about him he just like had this awareness that I don't know if he consciously do, did it but I just knew that was something about him that I got I don't know if he even knew that I was doing it but I when I talked to him that's I mean how you doing everything's good your family's good and then you move on. Air Jordan is like he, he's got he's got this, he's got that. He's <laughs> he's all over the place. He's playing golf, he's competing, he's you know he's got the cigar going. Okay, <laughs> I just uh, that was kind of what I knew back then. 
I think it's got to be lonely in, in a lot of respects to be to be that level of, of famous. Yeah. And we, we, we touched on it a little bit in the doc of him, yep. you know, hold up in his hotel room, but even something as simple as how are you doing? I don't right. know how many times someone of that level of fame is genuinely asked that um, right. by someone. Because mm -hmm. certainly any, any acquaintance, I, I remember one of the first conversations I had with him was I was saying to him, you know, it's gotta be very bizarre that every person you come in contact with is either in awe of you or pretending not to be. Right. Because mm -hmm. it, it struck me that that was the first time I met him. And I was thinking like, you know, you got to be cool. You got to like, and, and, and I think I wanted this job so bad. And I was so focused on getting the most I could out of him that, that I just locked in and it became a professional thing. That's a lot of times like we can't enjoy these moments like that you would as if you were a kid because you have to be professional. You have to like, so that that's lost. It's now you have a job to do and this person sitting in front of you. It was, some of these things were bizarre. To sit there and talk to Larry Bird being from Boston was, was bizarre the entire yeah, right, 20 right, right, right. <laughs> But I, I think that just by asking, you know, about your kids and what, what's it like to be a right. dad the second time around and what do you get to take them to school? Like what kind of things can you do? Um, just like you said, to talk to him as if he's Michael Smith. You know, not Air Jordan. Um, and, and I doubt that a lot of these guys who, who reach that level of fame uh, get treated like that by anyone except their their immediate circle. I think he talks. He said he talks to his mom every day. Right. Uh, I believe that she's you know her. She's an extraordinary person. Extraordinary. But I think that his demeanor now and his ability to sit there and, and just be cool and have a three hour interview, which is grueling uh, a few times. Um, with people that he doesn't know and to be completely relaxed and make us relaxed in his presence. That all goes back to his family. Right. So yeah. many of these, these celebrities in or outside of sports, if they go off the rails, I, I think that it's because they didn't have that foundation. And Michael had that foundation that you're no better or worse than anybody else. And that's what he was taught from, from the time he was very, very small. So now you see his brothers, they're proud of him, but they give him shit just like everybody else. Gives him shit. <laughs> no, he, no. He, he's their younger brother. He might be a foot taller, but he's still their younger brother. Mm -hmm. And, and, you know, they're, they're, those guys are very proud of their own accomplishments. Right. Um, Ronnie was, was in the army for years and, and, and is, is very proud. I mean, he's, you know, it, the, these are, and James too. I, I was so impressed by his dad. They would tell me stories, reporters and everyone would tell me stories about how James would brag. He'd sit next to them on the, on the plane, these reporters and brag to the reporters about the other kids and what they were doing. Right. And, and the achievements that they had in their lives. And Michael was his son and he was immensely proud of him, but he was proud of his other kids too. So I think all of that, you know, being Michael as opposed to air comes from being Mike from Wilmington. Yeah. And I, I, I think that's what it is. And I just always respected that. And because that's part of achieving being the best you can be, right? You can't have one of the characters just overtake all of the other characters. He kind of brought everyone along for this ride. And um, and I was just always amazed that he always kept basketball first and foremost, the most important thing in his life along this path, along this journey. And I just thought that was just an incredible thing to do because life gets in the way, right? It was easy for him to, to you know, he had achieved everything individually. He had achieved everything that he could do, but somehow he kept himself on edge. And um, just one of the things that I just kind of saw, and uh, it's always just kind of worked in our, in our little, in our little relationship that we have. 
and BJ mentioned, you know, the characters that Michael was able to create, right? Jason and as you're interviewing Michael, you're interviewing him, you're interviewing Air Jordan, you're interviewing Mike, you're interviewing all these different versions. And Mike is the youngest in his family. I'm the youngest in my family in North Carolina. When you're the youngest, they always tell you the story of the boy who cried wolf, because when you're the youngest, no one listens to you. And you always tell stories to get attention, right? And there's ways to motivate yourself. And if you're playing basketball, you're getting blocked by everyone that's bigger than you. So you have to, you have to like play these mental games with yourself. This is what I used to do as a kid. And Michael, as you watch the documentary, you know, you see him tell a story about Russell, you know, and BJ and him are in Utah and they're playing baseball. And, and somehow Russell walks by and says, why'd you quit? And makes and says something to Mike. Michael, you know, there may be no truth or full truth to that story, but it's still a story that is an Air Jordan. It's like a folktale of sorts. And Michael is able to use that and then create a reality out of those, you know, folktales. And we saw that with, you know, uh, LeBradford Smith, right? That whole situation. And uh, so, so what was it like to parse through those stories and try to, you know, piece together what is Air Jordan's folklore and what is Michael's real story and how is it, you know, piecing those together? Because I, I thought that was a fun experiment throughout the whole thing, seeing Michael break and be Michael and then seeing Air Jordan, you know, with the iPad and Gary Payton, you know, you get to see both sides of it. Yeah, it's kind of like the superhero and then he yeah. hops in, he's Clark Kent and then he hops in the phone booth when you give him that iPad and he becomes Superman. Exactly. Um, I, I try to, I always try with any of these docs to, to have the story be told whenever possible on the first person. So mm-hmm. if I had heard that story about George Carl going to dinner and Michael didn't verify it, then it would have been tough to tell that story. Mm-hmm. Um, but Ahmad told us that first and Michael said, I'm surprised he told you that. And then he went on and told us the George <laughs> Carl story. So those were, I remember being worried at the outset of this thing. Like there was two things I was worried that, that younger viewers, especially I wouldn't be able to communicate to them just how spectacular an individual performer he was. Mm-hmm. And all of those stories, I, I knew the Michael Jordan heads were going to come out and be like, oh, they didn't tell a story about this. And I'm sure they, they still are because there's so many. There's dozens of these things. And, and, and some of them are less believable than others. But <laughs> that's why we put those montages in there early in the series, the Eric B montage and, and mm-hmm. the, the Prince montage, because there's certain indelible highlights that I wanted to put in. I mean, I was positive at the outset of this thing, we were going to spend a solid five, 10 minutes on just the 87 and 88 dunk contest. Like that's mm-hmm. how I was like, we have to fill up 10 hours. We might have to do the history of the dunk. We might have to, to, to go back to like <laughs> ABA and show the dunk contest there and how David Stern brought it back because he was inspired by the ABA in 84. And they had an old timers game in 84. Yep. They used to have, which did not work out for the hamstrings of those involved. Um, but that was my biggest concern is that we have this massive story to tell in the 87 or the 97, 98 season. And then we have the stories to tell of all of the other uh, championships that they won and, and how they built those teams. Mm-hmm. But in lost in the shuffle, I didn't want there to be just all facts about uh, stats and facts. It had to be some sort of personality to these things. So it was uh, it was a lot of stuff to, to juggle. And I, I, I know that we'll, we're still taking hits for stuff that we didn't get in there, but um, you know, we, we did our best. Hey, Jason, I got a quick question for you. Um, there was one, there was, you know, a lot of things that I learned as I'm watching this, but there was one question I, I always have wanted to ask Michael this and, and I didn't know if you guys touched on it and didn't make it. There was only one time I felt that he may not show up. And that was at the hall of fame speech mm-hmm. and when he got inducted into the hall of fame. Because in knowing him, the score is always zero zero. Yeah. And in knowing the way he thinks, it's never over. The game is never over. 
That's why I thought it was the perfect ending, how it ended. I really felt when he got inducted to the Hall of Fame, that was the only time I've ever felt that I felt he may not show up. Well, didn't he I, ask you? Didn't he call you and ask you like what the what the eligibility requirement is? <laughs> <laughs> serious. So I want to know: Did you touch on that? Did he? We did. We 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 did. What did he say? What did he? What he did was he, great on that speech and uh, talking about it. Um, he he said that it, it was you know of course he's going to say it's misconstrued. I, I I think that Michael's a funny guy. He's not a stand up comedian. And that right, right. that speech, when delivered by a stand-up comedian, would have brought the house down. But instead, mm-hmm. it was like, man, this guy's like this bitter, vindictive. Like, <laughs> what's wrong with him? And he said to me, there was a quote. He said that it's the furthest thing from vindictive I could have been. Um, he is complimenting all the people in that speech, and that's that's how he meant it to play out. Um, mm-hmm. The thing about Kraus was a low blow, and that's unfortunate. Uh, what he said about Jerry in the speech that he didn't invite him or something, but. Everything else was meant to be like, thank you, Leroy Smith, for making the team over me. Thank you, Pop Heron, for cutting me. Thank you, Dean Smith, for not putting me on the cover of SI. He said, with that long finger of his, he said, who's the only person who understood what I was trying to say at that speech? I said, I don't know. He said, I'll give you a hint. He was in the building. And I said, Leroy Smith? And he said, no, Pat Riley. Pat Riley, um, I'll tell you a good story. Then I have to go because I have to jump on on another one. But after they beat them in 93, Pat Riley is in Hawaii. He took, Riley told us this story. We had so many great interviews that we could barely even use at all. These guys who were like sages, like statues in, in the NBA. And Riley was one of them. Um, so he said that it was after 92 or 93. And they're in Hawaii. And um, Riley is staying in this presidential suite at this gorgeous resort in Hawaii. And the manager calls him up and says, Mr. Riley, you, you have to uh, clear your things out of, of the presidential suite. We had an unexpected guest and we had to move you out. And he's saying, what? He said, they said, we'll give you these free other rooms. They're beautiful rooms. We spread you out. We'll relocate everything for you, but, but we have to do this. So all right. So he goes down to the pool and the staff comes up and moves all of his stuff out. And he's hanging out at the pool and he looks up at the balcony and Michael's on the balcony, his balcony waving to him from his from his original room. <laughs> that's Air Jordan. That's, that, so that's Air Jordan. With his cape blowing in the wind. <laughs> um, but but he has enormous respect. I mean, that yes. it's just the, that's like the sense of humor. It's kind of a ball busting move. Like, <laughs> like I wouldn't be surprised if he was like, "Who? I don't want to kick somebody out of the room." He'd be like, "It's Pat Riley." He'd be like, "Oh, kick him out of the room." Yeah, yeah, right, right. No. He said that you know he Riley said that he went up to him and it was painful to go up to him because Riley's a competitor too, but he said that he saw him. I think it was at some resort in the Bahamas or something. And he said he went up to him and he said, "Hey, I don't want to bother you too much, but I just want to let you know I know I understand what you were trying to say in that speech, and that meant so much to Michael." Um, so those guys, I mean, they're, they're cut from the same competitive cloth. Right. These are different kind of, of competitors, you know. So yeah. that that those are the stories that I, I love the most. So it's, it's stories like that that we left out um, just for time, and that they didn't fit into this pretty sure. narrow 
rug that we were weaving, you know, but there's, there's all kinds of stuff out there. So maybe there won't be a, there won't be an episode 11. Maybe it'll be, there'll be like a negative one, two, and three, like the prequels. We'll do like a star Wars or something. <laughs> all right, then there you <laughs> go. Good. There you go. Well, Jason, we're pulling for you. We're hoping that you have a Jordan run. You had Andre the giant. Now you got the last dance. You, you got more docs to go. These are two titles for you. So uh, we're, we're hoping that you keep the run going. We appreciate you joining us and uh, good luck with everything moving forward, man. All right, guys. All right,